Hello and welcome to the Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And I'm Holland. We're a podcast where we're going episode by episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and using them to talk about life things. While also moving chairs. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a, this is my new, my new apartment. Yeah, what do you guys think? <laughs> I think it's really large and great. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Holland has a gateway to Narnia in her room, which is Can a you talk giant about the history wardrobe. of it? Can the history about? of my uh, Felicia day was getting rid of furniture, and I happened to be moving at the same time, so I somehow ended up with a decent amount of Felicia's old furniture, and so I tell everyone, because why not? Yeah, that's a great story. Right? And this episode is a great story. Uh, for asking ourselves, uh, can we get into this episode? I say, yes, we can. Let's do it. All right, we're in the library. We are back after a little winter break. Yeah, it's been a while. I know, I'm excited. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I missed you I got guys a, too. Well, I got the, the Omnibus from you. Yeah? For, for Christmas. I haven't read it yet because I haven't read anything. I got so many books for Christmas, haven't read any of them. Go hmm. me. Uh, well, that's okay. I mean, books, so. they last. I well because I started watching Making a Murderer and now I'm getting screeners. Um, and oh yeah, so, you're so I've been lucky. getting some of them I'm too. getting someone else's. Both of you are lucky. They're I'm, not. Maybe I'm just I, you probably actually get screeners. I'm not in. Any I get them build. from SAG. Yeah, I yeah. get someone's SAG screeners. That's not you actually. It's a different person. Yeah, I've got a bunch. Wait, can I borrow some? Of your yeah, of course. Right. Is that? I mean, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. no. Holland votes during the SAG awards. No, you can't. Wink, wink. Yeah. I'm just going to take them and then upload them all onto the internet okay, so people right. can torrent them. <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, we are going to be talking about episode one of season three. Uh, and just to put us all in the proper context, mm. we're going back in time to September 29th, 1998, Ooh. when this episode premiered. Uh, we're going to get to our crime session in just a, in just a bit. Mm. But... I want to say up front, really quickly, to me, this is where the show really starts mm-hmm. for a few reasons. We got Oz in the credits. Yep. Yeah. We've got the actual font. And we've yep. got a remastered song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're in it. We're in. We're in the library now. If you've if you've just joining us, totally fine. Welcome. If you've been here since episode one, then welcome back. Mm-hmm. It's really gonna kick off, and I'm really really excited. But let's say you were too excited, or let's say things got tough. And you have to just run away to L.A. for a little bit. We understand. It's what we're doing in our 20s. <laughs> um, but we have got your back. Don't worry about it because we are going to do a cram session. Chris Permonte is going to condense uh, the entire episode into five easy, weird, pooly sentences. So, Chris, take it away. Following the events of season two. The heartbroken Buffy flees to Los Angeles and starts working in a diner as someone named Anne, where she discovers that girl that was part of the Vampire Worship Society. In Lie to Me. Yeah, in Lie to Me, going under the name Lily and is obsessed with this boyfriend of hers who, a few days later, turns up on the streets as a withered old man. One. Great. (laughs) Meanwhile, back in Sunnydale, the gang is doing a decent job with a 50% rate of killing of the vampires that they come across, despite not having the Slayer, and Giles is unable to locate her, which 
causes Joyce to finally reveal her feelings that she blames Giles for Buffy's disappearance. Two. Nice, got that B storyline. Yeah, yeah. Um, Buffy and Lily have a lot of uncomfortable conversations, which eventually lead to Buffy discovering that a creepy homeless shelter man named Ken is taking people off the street, bringing them into a little black pool into a basement dungeon where there is a giant demon factory where everyone is working on a mysterious demon project that no one ever really finds out the purpose for. <laughs> That's, isn't that the problem with bureaucracy? <laughs> <laughs> What's the end goal? <laughs> um, eight, three. Three. Buffy learns that these people are aging and becoming old, and just with being able to finally reclaim her Slayer identity, kicks the crap out of many of these scourge-looking demons, leads leads a small band of survivors, but abandons the majority of people, perhaps to an eternity of torment, in this hell dimension, kills Ken, goes back to the surface, and reunites with uh, with her mother, Joyce. Four. Four. So I got one extra Yeah, one. you can yeah. just burn it. Do whatever you want with it. This is a, this is a free one. <laughs> um, Cordelia and Xander, kind of on the rocks after a summer of not seeing each other. And Oz didn't go to summer school, so he has to repeat his senior year, conveniently being in the credits for season three. <laughs> Five. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Boom. I have to say, uh, I know I'm jumping ahead, but my favorite part of this episode is the scene where uh, Cordelia like manages to accidentally like slay the vampire, like stake the vampire, and then he disintegrates, mm-hmm. and then they like fall into each other and make out. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. amazing. Like yeah. as soon as I saw that, I was like <laughs> genius because you know. Yeah. Joss or like someone was just like, what if? Yeah. Hear me out, guys. <laughs> the vampire dusts in between them. Like it's yeah. just like this weird, like mm-hmm. it's great. It's great. I love it. Vampires have no souls, right? Correct. So besides Angel. Right. Um <laughs> That's his thing. Uh, <laughs> uh so they when vampires get dusted, they're just gone, right? There's nothing left. Nothing. It's not like there's like an anti-soul or whatever. No. So that vampire will never it's know that their he brought. Clothes are still. There. Oh yeah. Because it gets into the whole thing with like invisibility. I was just and, thinking like, invisibility clause. Because the the clothes. Uh... What's the invisibility clause? It's sort of like whatever's sort of. I would say, and people, perhaps the viewers or yourselves, can chime in on this as well. I think it's an aura question. It's if anything is within your general aura, mm-hmm. clothing, jewelry, jewelry, right. it can become invisible. Say you put on the One Ring of Power, it can oh, become dust. Your cloak becomes invisible as yeah. well and stuff. Yeah. However, in the Ant Bully, which I just watched, uh, <laughs> when he gets shrunk, his clothes do not shrink, and he's. Uh, running around nude, which I found to be kind of inappropriate. But that's like, I feel like when shrinking, clo- or like, because um, I was just rewatching uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, And I there's love that it. whole scene where they're like, don't wear jeans. And like, Reese Darby like, yells at them for like wearing jeans and not stretchy pants. Because oh, when, like, when they transform, yeah. their clothes are going to rip. I love so it's just that. like, yeah. Well, werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah. 
I haven't oh seen God. that. Oh, oh you're so going to love it. Oh, good. It's a vampire documentary. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, and it's one of the funniest movies it's I've really ever great. seen. That's great. It's yeah, so they're, they're uh, giving us money to talk about it because they didn't get enough people to see it. So, yeah. Uh, they were just and like, clearly hey. that's a big budget film they need to make back. <laughs> Shot on the streets of New Zealand. <laughs> uh, and the director is now directing Thor Ragnarok. Interesting. Yeah, I'm yeah. really excited about that. I'm really oh. happy about that. Yeah, cool. It's really good. We should watch it. Um, there's a lot of really cool, fun stuff to talk about, especially because this episode takes place in L.A., which is you know, a place that we can discuss. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, they shot in, like, 11th Street be, and Broadway. It's supposed to be, like, downtown? Yeah, it's definitely, right, yeah. it's, like, between Broadway and Hope, I think, most huh. of mm-hmm. the shooting. Which is funny, because, honestly, you don't have to dress, dress a lot. Right. <laughs> it was pretty accurate to just, like, what it looks like downtown L.A. and in, in certain streets. Um, totally. But uh, I want to ask you guys up front. Mm-hmm. Let's just knock it out. Because this is, this is what we do. We talk about life stuff through Buffy episodes. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any runaway stories from your childhood? Or any sort of that? Or like no. youth in despair? None? I mean, definitely plenty of Did you ever think about it? despair. I remember getting into, like in like young, young years, mm-hmm. getting into weird, like almost fantasies in my own head that if like someone was like mean or betrayed, or if someone like pissed me off, like if like my, like, and I'm talking like 10. Okay. Like if my mom or dad like told me I couldn't do something that I wanted to do, I'd be like, yeah, well, what if I ran away? Right. I think I did that a lot. What about you, Holland? Uh, I remember the closest I ever got to running away was, I want to say it was the summer between second and third grade and it was me and my friend Lindsay and we were like at her house and we're like, yeah, we're going to run away. And we like packed bags. And I remember- <laughs> You had a runaway packed? Yeah. And our main concern, it was like broad daylight too. Our main concern, we were like, oh man, but if we run away- who's going to drive us to the pool club and like places that we need to go. So literally I called my second grade teacher, left her a message. What was your second grade teacher's name? Uh, Miss Anderson. Miss Anderson. And I called her and left her a message and I was like, Hey, Miss Anderson, Lindsay and I were just wondering. And I left her some message about like, uh, like about driving us to the pool club, but I didn't want to say like flat out we were running away. Right, right. In, in the case like, that we in are, in the case that we needed a ride somewhere, would you be willing to? And she, I remember because we go to run away, we like sneak out a window, we don't get very far, we turn back around. The next day, I had gotten a call back from Miss Anderson, from the teacher, and she was like, "What was that? You called me about needing a ride somewhere." Oh, it's oh, okay. It was really sweet. No, she was really away. sweet, and she Wait, was how like. Old were you? I was, I must have been, because I remember she was my second grade teacher, and the fact that, like, I had called her, it had to be third or fourth grade. Like, it was still so elementary like school. you eight or nine? And it was, yeah. Wow. So. Very Lord clever, eight or nine. Desire for the pool club. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pool club. Like, an exclusive pool? So, I was like, no one's gonna, well, because I lived in a, like, a development, and so there was, like, a pool club that you were instantly a part of if you lived in a certain, like, development. Wow. Um, but since we were running away from my friend's house, it was just one of the, we wouldn't have been able to get there. Like, we would have needed to ride. This is, like, a zoning thing. issue, I yeah, see. Yeah, like, we basically realized, because I think our first thought was the pool club, but then we were just, like, in general, like, if we run away, we can't drive. Who's going to drive us places right. where we need to ride? Yeah. And so we just called, like, oh, God, I think it's so... You put together that yeah, there would was... be limits. Yeah. I at least, like, thought it through. I was like... Man, if I run away, I'm gonna need someone to give me ride places. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, oof. I have a I have a story, but I think it was detract from I think something that's really interesting that you brought up, Holland. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell it later. I'll put I'll put that one's gonna go on the back burner. Um, but it kind of the the interesting philosophical conversation that's going on in this episode is that 
Buffy ran away because she couldn't deal with the micro society that she's in. Well, the society, but like for a TV show, right? Like we're very closed in society of like five or six people she has to interact with on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And her and Joyce had a huge falling out at the end of season two. And then it's that whole thing of, is the individual better off on their own if they're very powerful? Or do they need to fit into society even if that causes some friction or is difficult? Mm -hmm. And that's what that this whole episode to me talks about a yeah. lot. Because Buffy is uh, homeless almost by choice. That's how I kind of read it. Yeah, it, She's running away from stuff, and I get that, but I feel like the, the homelessness aspect of this episode is more to do with, like, she's yeah. chosen this. It's mm -hmm. not like she's been, like, shoved out or, like, chased out by her parents or whatever. Right. And then it's interesting with you in the same situation where you're just like, yeah. if I do that, though, I sacrifice pool <laughs> this. Club. Yeah, the pool club. Yeah. Uh, well, it's almost like, because I never had... Because I remember in high school um, and growing up that, like, I did have friends that their parents were kind of, like, threatened to kick them out. Um, and then I remember my parent, my mom specifically was always like, oh, like, if so-and-so needs a place to stay for a while or, like, isn't getting along with their parents or, like, so, like, so they don't, like, do something, rash like, irrational yeah, and just, yeah. like, leave. She was mm -hmm. like, they can come stay here. Oh, like, that's I had, good. Yeah, because, yeah. like, I, like, got along really well with my parents and I never really, like... Other than that one fluke in the eighth grade mm -hmm. when I wanted to run away for some reason, I like never really had that. So I imagine it's probably more similar to like, like when I first graduated college, I was kind of like, I'm going to move out to LA. I'm just going to stay out here. And my mom was like, oh, well, you don't have a job or anything. You can come home if you want. And I was just like, no, like I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I need to just be this thing. But it wasn't yeah. like my parents were mm -hmm. like, get out. They were like, you can stay here for as long as you want. And I was yeah. like, no, thanks. Bye. Yeah. Like nothing against them, but it was just like mm -hmm. can't. So yeah, I think this. Yeah, and I think that um, uh, in what you're talking about, kind of like belong. I feel like belonging and identity are the big words that come to my mind with this episode. Yeah. One that she casts off her identity because she becomes Anne. She literally she, she changes her Anne. name. Yeah. She becomes Anne, right? She goes from being Buffy, which is a very specific mm -hmm. name. Uh, to Anne. To Anne. The and then encounters Anne. an individual who becomes a, who's essentially a recurring character. Yeah. And then I don't know if this, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's not big plot thing, but that that character actually comes back an angel. Yeah. As yeah. Anne. She comes, she's in two episodes yeah. of Angel. And um, so the fact that Lily Chanterelle eventually takes on the identity of Anne, she never tells Buffy her real name. So it's like Buffy runs into in deciding to cast off her own identity as the Slayer. Yeah. And also yeah. Joyce's daughter. It's almost like the revealing of her her true self to her mother is the thing that makes her just panic and have to leave. Yeah, yeah. And then finally casting off her identity, she's part of this community of people that are like really unhappy yeah. and having no identity. And then the extreme of that is literally Ken, getting the no their identities erased. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And even Ken himself has a false face, which is pretty on the nose. Yes. Yeah. So not really good writing, Joss. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that could have been a little bit more subtle. <laughs> we could have gone back to the Yanu statue. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, and then that moment of, I mean, the very clear, I guess, climax of the episode is where Buffy joyfully reclaims her identity. Mm -hmm. And seeing that it's like that, that moment of, I mean, I think it's the most memorable moment of the episode is, you know, where they're going down the line, who are you? I'm Andrew beats him. Yeah. I'm no one. I'm no one. I'm no one. I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you are? Yeah, like, that's yeah. That's one of the most, that's a great moment. Yeah. And it's so funny and she says it in this adorable way and then she just kicks everybody's ass. Mm -hmm. So, 
And then it's and then it's the image that it, up until I believe season five is the end credit thing with her holding the hunga munga. Yeah. yeah, and it's just that shot that like you know whatever tilts in and on her. What's interesting and kind of crazy is that like I feel like I feel like the Slayer does work in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, which we kind of investigated a little bit with like Kendra and like her teachings versus like Buffy's teachings, but Buffy doesn't, right? Right. So the Vampire Slayer, I feel like she she fun- she kicks all the demon butt mm-hmm. by herself, unassisted by the Scoobies, but Buffy herself is floundering, mm-hmm. and she has to return to fulfill Buffy while you know just and to return and f- to have to find that balance mm. which i thought i don't know it's pretty cool like the yeah. end of the episode's so good because of that yeah. yeah i don't know it's like obviously it's on a bigger scale because they're trying to like tell you something and show you something but i think it's like it's really relatable at least for me because it's that whole aspect of well i'd probably be better off if i was just by myself and then i could figure my shit out i could take care of myself yeah. i could like focus on this and like just i don't want to be around other people like this is the most practical way to kind of like get about life and get things done. But there is that kind of like aspect of you that you're just like, oh, but like, I don't know, like I want to hang out with people. Like I want to yeah. see my friends. Like I want to see my parents. Like it's just like you, as much as you try to kind of like isolate yourself from all of the like frivolous, like social things, like most people need that. Yeah. Like you kind of mm-hmm. need that to like function yeah, properly and be happy. Like ties back to like, uh, mm-hmm. like the Odyssey and stuff, right? Like that's the whole thing of him. Like he... Odysseus is like stuck out there isolated like on the ocean for like forever and is like making a conscious fight to get back to civilization yeah it's not just to his family but like to where he belongs in society Mm -hmm. Uh, to his identity to his identity yeah you're right it's like you know uh, it starts with him on with the island of Calypso I believe so with the water nymph right yeah where she's basically stripped him of his memory (laughs) Whereas yeah, it's, not, not yeah. Memory. it's not like she's removed it, but he's been there for so long that he's forgotten who he is. Yeah. And that she's basically taken him, in, taken him in as her lover. And then, of course, it flashes back and it goes to the beginning of the story. Yeah. But, you know, that's, uh, that's an interesting comparison. I guess it's like, yeah, the idea of the hero in isolation, like you were saying, Holland, it's like when you do go into isolation, it makes you realize you're like, this isn't the way to live. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe there are some who... Who enjoy that, but I think that it's like by nature we're designed not only to be social creatures, but to be in union. Yeah, and I, there's something because like Angel back when he was still alive, rest in peace, Angel. <laughs> and Nothing screw happens you, Angel. Later, right? She's just he's never. Well, he's in this episode as a flashback. Yeah, he just kind of walks. Yeah, he's still dream in the opening beaches. credits. Yeah, it's one of those things. I love when that happens to like a character, and then like the next episode comes on, you're like, oh well, they're still at the opening credits, so it's fine. You're and just then like you realize, hoping. You're just like, you're like oh. Oh, no, nope, oh, I just flipped him. It's just because the uh, actor was paid. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got my hopes up. Thanks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, That's a pretty wild scene. The, the, beach. the beach. Yeah. What oh, does he say to her? I wrote this Our love down. is forever, says, right? If I was blind, I would see you. And I love cheesy romance lines. Like I, yeah. like, I know some people don't like those. I think those are great. Cheesy romance lines? Just, like, lines that people would deem as, like, oh, that's melodramatic and cheesy. It's like, well, I like that stuff I like I like the ones that lean more towards the poetical side I think I've been I watched uh, Ghost Town recently and it reminded me of like just general rom-coms like popcorn rom-coms yeah and I was like god I don't 
Well, melodrama. They're, they're so silly. Right. Rom-coms is one thing. I'm not really crazy about those, but mm. melodrama. Oh, okay. Like The Notebook and stuff. I haven't seen that, but I'm sure you I haven't would seen enjoy The Notebook? I'm sure oh, I would you enjoy should watch it. The Notebook. We should yeah. Omar stop cried this a lot. Yeah. I also cried a lot. <laughs> yeah. I have some pretty strong notebook feelings. Did you write them down in a notebook? No, I no. just <laughs> cried them. You just cried, cried them into them, a yeah. notebook. Cried them into a no, just <laughs> they that's just like fell. A, that's an escape room puzzle. You have to cry tears onto pages, and then the. Pages I'd be good at that. Whoa. I'd be good at that. <laughs> yeah. I am good at crying. Yeah, you were watching the X Files uh, red carpet earlier. I wasn't were, crying at the X. Yeah, I, you weren't crying, but you were close. I was emotional. There you There's go. a difference between me physically crying and me like looking like I'm about. Like a lot oh, of times, okay. people are like, "Are you crying?" And I'm like, "No, I'm really excited." Mm-hmm. But like, if I'm crying, you know. Yeah. Because there's. Precipitation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my face. Are you a cloud? Are you a... <laughs> Speaking of precipitation on face, the moment that gets me in this episode is Giles versus Joyce. I yeah. Think I, I would say yeah. beyond even Buffy's like moment at the end, which is super badass, I think that's the biggest moment of this episode. Because uh, it's yeah. the first time that she ever has a conversation yeah. post the admission that she's the slayer about this thing. And Giles is like very clearly on it. He's letting Joyce know, like, no matter, like, Buffy's probably sad and in despair right now, but I'm pretty sure she's not in danger. Yeah. she's the Slayer. Mm-hmm. Don't blame but yourself. Yeah. It's like, don't blame yourself. I don't. I blame you. Yeah. I was like, whoa, man. Oh, no. Giles, no, he loves Oh, You don't understand, Joyce. Yeah. yeah so hard. Joy- and it's never like, whenever Joyce does stuff like that, I'm never, like, mad at Joyce. I'm always just like, oh, no, this is such a misunderstanding. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is so hard and you're being such a bitch, but... It's because you don't know. Like, it's never one of those things where I'm like, fuck Joyce. I hate Joyce. I'm always just like, no, Joyce is just saying what she's feeling and she's right. But, like, yeah. you guys should talk more probably and figure out what this is about. But this is life and people don't talk about that shit ever. So yeah, talk about your feelings. Oh, totally. uh, so hard. Yeah, because I think that Joyce, in a way, like we're talking about in terms of isolated people, Joyce, Joyce, it's like... But, she, like, won't leave her house. Yeah. Yeah. She wants. she's waiting for Buffy to come back. It's so, like... It's so sad. Joyce's existence uh, makes me sad sometimes because it's like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, because I think she's a pretty sad, a sad person. Not that she's not yeah. a good person, but I think emotionally in her own self, yeah, that Joyce feels stress more than she feels joy. And I think that it's like with with Giles, Giles in our experience is far more the parental figure than Joyce's. And sure, I think yeah. that with Hank, who is just so absent mm-hmm. and so like not even a character basically yeah but the fact that he is a character at all it's like no hank is a character and he's a complete absent father and that that role is fulfilled by this man that like she can never really tap into yeah what, what importance he has in her life because of her slayer identity and i think that that probably makes her feel upset to a mm. degree like i don't think that she's necessarily at least at this point happy that giles is doing what he's doing Mm. And in fact, it's like, you're encouraging something that I wish wasn't a part of her. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, because it's interesting, because, like, with fantasy shows and horror shows, like, it's like, that's the fun of it. It's just, like, mm. there's, life is hard, but at least we get to, like, do this fun, you know, swashbuckling slaying and stuff. Yeah. But Joyce isn't a part of that, and she's mm. really grounded in the real world, and so it's, like, a real character, or it's a real person uh, saying stuff like, ding. Oh. <laughs> she did I'm say ding. Uh, saying... Oh, Bailey just sent me a photo of me breaking down about, uh... No, she just... This is me earlier. Podcast, you can all see this lovely photo of me. 
This is me reacting to what David Duchovny looked like on the on the red carpet. You have to. We have to. When this goes <laughs> yeah. live, you have to post that picture. That's I'm amazing. Post it. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So that's a good reaction. Uh, that's just how I react to things. You See, like, like I'm not Charlie crying. Charlie Brown, if he got hit in the stomach. I'm not crying. Yeah. Well, it, look, it looks like you're like part of an air raid drill. Yeah, yeah you're the 1950s atomic bomb test. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, really quick, I want to sh- give a shout out to two unsung heroes, uh, Jeff Pruitt and Mark Garcia. They're uncredited. Ah. Yeah. So, so Jeff Pruitt's the stuntman. He's the stunt coordinator, isn't he? Uh, I believe so. And I think he makes like a very brief cameo as the guy who like lets you into the uh, into Ken's Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's shelter. him. That's him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't get an official, I don't know, I don't know, SAG or AFTRA or someone drew a line in the sand, but Ugh. maybe he, he gets the wrong screeners. Hopefully he still gets screeners. Do you think screeners. stunts? <laughs> oh, is, there, sure. is there a stunt uh, screeners? Union? union? Guild? Oh, for sure. Right? It has got to be, right? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of producers things. are upset that there is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Ken himself actually appears in uh, Buffy, Angel, and Firefly. Mm-hmm. What a, he's so um, creepy. He's mm-hmm. a creepy-looking dude. The band that's playing in the bronze oh, is yeah. Belly Love. What? Belly Love. I was actually going to look that up because I wanted to listen to them. <laughs> what, did Willow, what did Willow and Xander say where he's like, oh, I'm glad we came on depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like every other night isn't. <laughs> The same thing. Like, I uh, uh, would love to <coughs> see Joss in a bronze setting, where mm. I feel like every time he's choosing the music, or at least overseeing the choice of music for the episodes, I imagine that he's just like, yeah, I'll be on that floor. I'll just be dancing <laughs> this like, the way that everyone else. like. <coughs> it's so gothy. It's just like the oh, bronze yeah. is so gothy well, for also, like, like a SoCal club. The bronze like, is totally. like revamped. Yeah. So are we going to say anything about the fact that Holland's had vamped? Or are we just going <laughs> to fly over that one? Uh, another, <laughs> another question I have for you guys. Yeah. Uh, and this is a bit more open. <coughs> Anne is, Buffy as Anne is working in Helen's kitchen. Is that a connection to Hell's kitchen? And are we going to see in the future a connection to the Netflix show Daredevil? Uh, I believe it is a connection to Hell's kitchen. However. Just in New York. That's, I think it's more so a clever play on words and less of a connection to the city okay. in New York. Oh, wait, okay, so Hell's Kitchen is in New York. It's an area yes. of New York that is okay. referred it's, to as Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Why is, do you guys know why it's called Hell's Kitchen? I think the, the, the gangs used to run it. I don't, oh, know, if that's, I don't know if that's true. Is this a Gangs of New York thing? My experience of New York is so Californian, where I went once, I was on a bus, and all I remember was that the bus window said bulletproof or something nice. like that. Nice. Or maybe I invented that in my mind. There's more probably shootings per capita out in California yeah. than there are in New York. I yeah. would argue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. There's I'm from the Bay Area. I would yeah. completely agree with yeah. that. Yeah. I'm from the Bay Area and I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. I noticed that as well. I wrote down Helen's Kitchen. <laughs> Daredevil, we'll have to keep watching. Yeah. We'll, we'll have, have to find to out. We'll yeah. find out if they do a crossover. I don't know. Maybe they'll bring Buffy back and Whoa. Daredevil will be on at the same time and who knows. Whoa. You could use a good lawyer, Buff. Uh, well, really, uh, just to quickly branch off of that, I just got to say, uh, I don't know how the... Re- I know, I think you and I have definitely seen it. I don't know about you, Chris, but Jessica Jones is so buffy I've watched the first two. I love it. It's yeah, so it's buffy, buffy-tastic. It's, it looks like, not to get into any spoiler territory, but uh, it's definitely like a love child of Buffy and Angel. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. Totally. 
God, she's great. I love Jessica Jones. No, she's super cool. Oh, I can't wait for her to come back. I think when I'm going to have to wait like two years. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're doing uh, whatever the mini Defenders is happening Defenders before? Defenders is happening before, I think. Okay. Because I think that's why... Uh, is that going to be a show or a movie? It's going to be, be a Netflix. Show. Is it a show or a miniseries? Oh, uh, well, it's a miniseries. I think it's like a Netflix miniseries, yeah. and then they're going to do seasons two of Daredevil and Jessica Jones, I believe. No, Daredevil's coming out soon. Daredevil's coming out soon. Because I was yeah. going to say, they announced enough on Daredevil. So is it Daredevil, then Defenders, point. and then Jessica Jones? Or is Iron Fist and Luke Cage going I think Luke Cage thing? is coming out before Defenders. I just want to watch. I just like... <laughs> what about Iron Fist? Why do we need all these things? Why can't we just... We have two good ones. We don't. They're gonna get into the same area that they get to with the movies. I'm not gonna give a shit anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the same reason that we needed. Yeah, Feige, listen up. Yeah, yeah, Feige. He listens. Feige, yeah, friend female of female Ghostbusters, and I'm very excited for. That's a different Feige, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's... Are they brothers? I think one's Feig. I mean, maybe Paul Feig. Paul, Paul Feig. Favorite in my tweet. Did he? Where? Because he posted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he? Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure it was the Paul Feig? You know what's really been bothering me recently? This is completely unrelated. Is it about this'll Elvis? Be, this'll be a, a Joss Whedon, executive producer. Uh, so someone tweeted this really clever tweet um, about existing in the same time as David Bowie. Um, and right. their Twitter account is Simon underscore Peg. Their name just so happens to be Simon Peg. Uh. But they didn't even tweet the tweet. They stole it. From this other person, um, I think they're like French because I like found their account so I could retweet it because I was like, oh man, this is fucked up. Um, and he had tweeted it earlier that day uh-huh. and it just so happened that it was the day that Bowie died. Oh my God. Um, so the tweet got picked up, but then like other people were just reposting it from their Twitter accounts and stuff. And then so, so many people just like on Facebook had tweeted the Simon Pegg one yeah. and were actually like, and then other people were retweeting it and just saying like quote like allotting it to Simon Pegg so it turned into this whole weird oh, thing no. where like Simon Pegg said this quote but it was like someone who also was named Simon Pegg stole this quote from some other and, it and was the just thing like, that's crazy about that too I don't know if this was part of the story yeah. but that phrase that they said like the you've lived this the world yeah. is this many years and you did the same time as Bowie I saw that said about Britney before this Britney Spears really? yeah it was like Murphy oh no, Britney no, Spears it, what? Well, Brady's were still Wait, alive. Wait, what? Though. That's what I'm oh, yeah, no, that's no, true. No, because he was still alive at the time. Just, yeah. uh, well, oh, he was no. still alive at the time when the. I'm sure that it's not an original quote. Exactly. But, but just like when I saw crazy. it and I was already very like emotional and just like I read right. it and I was just like, fuck. Like I just no, did totally. one of those like. Jane has been very headspacey recently. Yeah. But, uh, it makes more sense for Bowie, but it's not an original quote. But I'm quote. sure it's not an original quote. But I just the fact that like this is how like. Like media, just like this, is, or just word of mouth in general, it's like yeah. playing a game of telephone. Mm. Was, did you see that Simon Pegg quote about David Bowie? And I'm just like, no, like what is <laughs> yeah. what is happening? It's funny because we usually use our phones to tweet anyway, so mm. it is literally a game of telephone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jane Espenson, when I was in a writing workshop that she was uh, doing over at UCSB, um, was talking about how she's like, if you hear like a saying or whatever, don't repeat it, just make up your own. And I guess that's how a lot of like stuff happened in Buffy, where they were just like oh, yeah, there's, like, a funny saying. And they're like, oh, we don't want to risk it. We don't want to risk misquoting. Just come yeah. up with a new quip. <laughs> yeah. so and that was a rule of thumb. So that's why she doesn't really quote Gandhi. Yeah. They didn't know uh, if it was actually a Gandhi quote or not. <laughs> I think Gandhi said it's that. A Gandhi interpre- it was Gandhi interpretation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if he was really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, one thing I very much liked was um, he remembered your name long after he forgot his own. 
Oh, that was so sad. That's yeah. a very sad. And I'm sure it was That's, partially because he had the tattoo. That was yeah. just, but it was so good that it's just like uh, just a throwaway line. And yeah. like you think about what the line means and you're just like, oh no. Jeez. Ooh, heavy line. Yeah. Oh. It's just unfair. Unfair. Ricky. Ricky did not really fare well in this episode. No. Oh. Oof. No. This is unfortunate. Yeah. Dude, poor unfortunate souls. Yeah. It was kind of an Ursula situation going on down there. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Yeah. I would yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean Ursula didn't really put them to work. No. She just she jarred them. She yeah, she jarred them. Yeah. Well that's what like I thought, because you, you really assume that it's like, <laughs> oh, he's like sucking out their youth and it's like, no, no, no. <coughs> just working them for some reason. Just for fun, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> we really don't you made a really good point. We yeah. have no idea what it was building Not up established no. what any of that was. And we're like, oh yeah, it's hell. And I'm like, is it really hell or is it just it's Where one did of you get that hells. portal? Yeah. Like, also, they're not in Sunnydale. Like, they're just in. So, how far does the Hellmouth spread? Because at this point, they're just like, is it man-made? There's just a hell pool. It's got to be a mystical. Yeah. There's just a hell pool. Do well, they take plenty... some of the Hellmouth and just be like, I'm from Sunnydale? <laughs> well, there's demonic activity everywhere, and just everywhere. And an angel. I mean, angel takes place in LA. That's true. So it's but like that hasn't been established yet. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But I guess it's. <clears throat> It's established that uh, in this episode that there's also demonic activity in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. But they never say it's LA. Like, they make a reference that he's looking for her in Oakland. They confirm but then it it's not later Oakland, in the so series. They looked for her in Oakland. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah. Why? Is she going to go watch a Raiders game? Oh. Giles got a call. Uh, Probably from a fellow British man. Oh. Reports of something that potentially was her, so Giles just hopped on a plane. Got it. Or was it just like, I hear this really good real estate in Oakland that's going to go up. San Francisco is going to, the middle class is going to bottom out. It's going to be either low or high. Get housing in Oakland now. And then Giles get off, gets, off that, gets off that call and is like, guys, I got to go to Oakland. I think yeah. Buffy's there. I think Buffy's there. Yeah. Are you sure? Or are you just trying to buy up parking spots? <laughs> is he is... allowed to be taking off like school starting? Oh I yeah, what's up with that? Oh, in the library. Oh, is no, there a sub-librarian yeah. that can like just pop in and scan books for people? Probably. It's probably, probably Willow. Yeah, I was going to say it's yeah. probably Willow. <laughs> She's just like the one sub that yeah. they have. Yeah. Oh man. And Willow, the leader in Buffy's absence. Yeah, yeah. She steps up. Mm-hmm. Has some... I-, I liked her one-liner. Yeah. Uh, big boy. Yeah. yeah, it was big boy. I liked Oz's attempted uh, amazing shot of the steak. Yeah, his focused steak throw. Uh, as a Christmas gift, gift uh, as a Christmas gift, Chris gave to me the season three uh, script book, the shooting script book, volume one. And uh, it's really funny because for that scene, it says angle on like the steak spinning in his hand, angle on like the back of the vampire running away, angle on like Oz throwing it. It bounces off a tombstone. Oz shrugs. Well, <laughs> it never really works. Yeah. <laughs> No. I like Willow great. Buffy is great because it's even like she has like the bob and she's kind of dressed like yeah. slightly like mm-hmm. more like Buffy and then she has like the one liner. I was just like I would watch this. Mm-hmm. And I it's mean, an... worst case scenario. <laughs> These mm-hmm. guys stepping Same up, thing. they're not called to this. No. They're not stuck in this responsibility, but they rise to the occasion. Yeah. I just want to give a little golf clap to yeah. that. That's Scoops. Yeah, they're doing it. They're doing and it. you know what? They fifty percent of the vampires. That's pretty good. Yeah. You go out there and you're killing half of the vampires and you have absolutely no powers. Yeah. Just kind of a general knowledge. It's like, good job, guys. What? I am going to ask you guys this question. I know the hand is getting very close to the bell, mm-hmm. but I want to ask you guys this. Who is Buffy in terms of the Scoobies? Is she Freddy? 
I kind of feel like she's maybe Freddy. You're talking about the the Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo's, yeah. But Freddy isn't like he's not really the well, leader, right? Freddy. But shit, but I guess he's the best. Because he's Kate. Velma's well, Velma's the. She will. Cordy's the is the Velma, no? That's no, Daphne. No, Cordy's the Daphne. Oh, okay. Which is funny because Sarah Michelle Geller plays Daphne in the live action. Whoa. Movie. I know why it's confusing. But Cordy's definitely the Daphne. And I feel Willow's like the Velma. Willow's the Velma. So Buffy Xander's has to be the, the Freddy. Yeah, I would say Xander's for sure Shaggy. Oz is <laughs> by Scooby. default Scooby. Because he's a wolf. Freddy yeah. is just such a tool, though. Yeah. Looking back on Scooby-Doo, I wish that... It's not a perfect dynamic. Well, he <laughs> apparently has... Uh, well, have you guys seen the new Adventures of Scooby-Doo? Uh, Scooby-Doo Incorporated? I Scooby have not. Mr. Ink. Mr. Ink. I'm so sorry. Mr. Ink. No. They kind of touch on the idea that like maybe Freddy has Asperger's. Oh, I feel like I like heard they that. totally touch on. They don't say it explicitly, but like he has trouble uh, connecting with people emotionally um, and picking up on like certain social cues. And he's also very attached to traps. And then like there's just a few lines. And also uh, Velma's for sure queer, like for sure, for I've sure. I've heard both of those things. Huh. Like she has a girlfriend in the show. They don't say it again. Oh, really? They don't say it explicitly. But she has a girlfriend in the show. Cool. Very uh, <laughs> interesting. It's like yeah. it's there, but it's not said because they don't it's want. Not said, although there is a line that is very similar to a Buffy line. Um, trying to... Yeah, I can say that. I don't think this will ruin too much. And if if I'll and if you guys think the it ruins too much, I'll cut it out. The more you ask if it ruins something, mm. the more. Then maybe I won't say it. Something. Maybe it, no, okay. but once you're like, what? Well, is it out of context? It's like that's something... totally out of context. Yeah, but at one point. Uh, Velma says, that's my girl. About uh, her friend. So. Uh, Interesting. A friend who's a girl. Uh, yeah, no. So I, I buy it. I think it's canon. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a Poe Finn kind of situation. Yeah, where it's totally there. People like <laughs> people keep, uh, like at work, people are just like, yeah, they're bromance. And I keep going, you're adding one too many letters. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, it looks like uh, we've hit our first bell. The first bell of the season. Wow. Uh, which is crazy. Whew. But we are not out of the woods yet. And by woods, I mean class. And by class, I mean, of course, the library. Uh, because we have <laughs> one last thing to do before we wrap up. Uh, we have an extracurricular activity. What that means is we're going to make something up on the spot inspired by this episode. We have no idea what it is. We haven't thought it through. Should we? Maybe. Will we? No. Uh, <laughs> Holland, what are we doing this week? Um, okay, so Ken is going around Los Angeles uh, to, I guess, homeless people and children on drugs and whatnot, I guess is what you're supposed to gather, um, trying to get him to come to his family home. Uh, so maybe like a, I want a recruitment video. I don't know if they could afford a recruitment video, mm-hmm. okay. uh, but for this for this family home. Do you want it to be the recruitment video that this family home would afford? Would afford if they could. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do you sometimes ask yourself, what am I even doing with my life? Who am I? Why am I here? Who is this stranger sleeping next to me on the street? Well, wonder no more, because at Ken's halfway home of happiness and joy and fulfillment, you can have those questions answered. Just listen to some of the success stories that we've encountered. I, uh, I was going to go to many of the um, L.A.-specific institutions uh, that are government-funded, but unfortunately, the local government and the taxpayers voted, even though I don't have any representation because I don't have a mailing address, to cut the funding for those shelters. I don't really have another choice. Uh, 
I just got here, uh, but it seems really nice so far. Um, Ken gave me this nice uh, smock that's very non-distinct, and it's a lot better than the clothes I was wearing because I had been sleeping in them for almost a month. Um, so I'm very grateful for Ken because he is telling me to smile and be very grateful for Ken. And look at those smiles just shining down. Now, getting people off the street and putting aside who you are and really joining into a team effort. And what's that effort building towards? <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to ruin the fun. But come on down, folks, to Ken's halfway home of happiness and fulfillment, and you will get, turn that smile into an even wider one. Ken's halfway home, somewhere around Hope and Broadway. <laughs> Great! I thought that was pretty good and uh, 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 not as condescending as I thought it might have ended up being. <laughs> um, good job. Yeah. Good job, us. We should probably do, we should probably link up with some charities this season. Okay. Yeah? What do you guys think about yeah. that? I'm in. Great. We'll figure uh, something out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like your uh, very ambiguous idea that's totally not cooking, uh, totally underformed. Uh, <laughs> We want to thank you so much for joining us uh, for our discussion of Anne, episode one of season three. We are so excited to jump into season three and to get started. We have an amazing season ahead of us. We've got some really, really cool guests that we're going to be bringing in. Maybe some folks from the show itself. We don't know. Ooh, or maybe we do. Cool. Um, so yeah, we just want to say a huge thank you, and we'll tell you where to find more uh, Sunnydale City Group stuff in a second. But first, Chris, where can they find you? Hello, I'm Chris Bramante. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Amontiak. You can find me on YouTube as Anim Fantastic, where I make music videos with the guy who does our theme song, Jimmy Scavone. Uh, or you can find me in the greater Los Angeles area performing with a musical improv troupe called Robot Teammate and the Accidental Party. How about you, Holland Farkas? Uh, my name is Holland Farkas. As Omar just said, you can find me on Twitter at Holland Farkas, uh, Facebook Holland Farkas, Instagram Farkland. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. I don't really use it. Um, and you can find me on uh, the twitch.tv slash rockerjump on Wednesdays and Fridays uh, from 3 p.m. Pacific time to 6 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and also in other videos. I don't know. I can talk about it. Basically, Things are happening. Whoa, You'll nice. see it on Twitter. I want to be in the room where it happens. But I'm <laughs> ready here fo first, folks. I'm not even sure what we heard, though. That was like my <laughs> idea of charity. <laughs> something very vague, and things are happening. Sounds like something really exciting is about to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, videos again. Nice. Oh, We'll see. Wow, we get so close to information. <laughs> so close to information. Oh, we live for that. We live for that little <laughs> fish bait it's angle. A Come yeah. back next week, or maybe we'll be able to reveal more information. <laughs> about or maybe these we won't. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, and I'm Omar. You can also find me at youtubecom geeks Getting that back up and started. Uh, I'll be doing a film series in a little bit, which I'm really excited about. Also. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the channel was featured on the DC uh, website, I did. DC that Comics. Awesome. I saw that. Um, so if you want to go to the DC uh, fans YouTube page, mm -hmm. you can actually see a video of Mia and me talking about our favorite DC characters. Uh, you can always find me uh, on Twitter at um, Omar Najam's my name. I don't know why I hesitated. <laughs> and my improv team, Swimming Lessons, is now performing around LA. So Ooh. if there's anything interesting popping up, I'll post about that as well. Awesome. We should do a team up show. That would be great. I would love Clubhouse. that. Yeah, we'll be there. There's parking. 
You want to go to John's first and oh, then grab some food? And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can find anything and everything Sunnydale Study Group related at SSG Podcast on Twitter. Again, that's at SSG Podcast as well as on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sunnydale Study Group. And on Instagram, very active on Instagram. Chris is doing a bang-up job on Instagram. <laughs> uh, again, that's Sunnydale Study Group. And this week, we have a homework assignment for you. We want to know, what was the pool plan? What were they doing in yeah. the dimension pool where time is slower? Why does time slower? What were time they building? Faster. Oh, it's faster. I'm sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Time is faster. Oh, it's a flat circle. What do you think uh, they were doing? Please let us know your ideas. Tweet them at us. Uh, pop them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Take a picture of it and tag us on Instagram. We would love to know. Act it out and make an Instagram video of you, like, or saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like... A performance piece. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> or draw it. Ooh. These are all options Or in the case of have. JP, do some crazy just magic. Yeah, just <laughs> it's wizardry. Yeah. Thank you guys again for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your experiences. We really appreciate it. We love being part of this ongoing active Buffy community. And we'll be back next week to talk about Dead Man's Party. It's going to be pretty crazy. It's a pretty nuts it's gonna episode. Be a party. It's going to be a party. Dead men. Yeah. But we'll bring some life into it. All right. We'll see. <laughs> Until then, pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you then. to record episode one of season three and fun <laughs> fun all right let's do should we do one mind meld to get yeah. the season started yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all right on the count of three one two three robots. and robots <laughs> three. three interesting okay one two three cyborg. musical <laughs> cyborg musical homeless <laughs> okay <laughs> One, two, three. Doctor Horrible singer. <laughs> what did you say? Terminator. Man, I said Doctor say- Horrible. Okay, I thought you were gonna say Doctor Horrible sing along vlog. I was like, yeah. that's like <laughs> yeah. words. Uh, okay. One, two, three. Nathan Horse. Fillion. Horse villain Nathan Fillion. Nathan Villi- Villian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's try to get one last one here. Or no, let's try to get at most two. Okay. So if we don't get it in this next one, that's okay. We're going to get it in the one after that. One, two, three. Bad horse. Bad horse. horse. Moon. Mal. Mal. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Bad horse. Mal. Right? Hmm. Okay. One, two, three. Sweden! Oh! Hh, hey, close. I count it. Close it I count it. I count it. Okay, yeah, I'll count it too. <laughs> <laughs>